I love the truth. I love the truth. All right, let's look at love between the Father and Son. John 3.35. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into His hands. So, when you look at that, you say, oh, the Father loves the Son, so that means they must be separate from each other. Listen. The Lord loves you, and He's inside of you. The Lord loves me. He's inside of me. I love the Lord. Now, watch this. It's not two separate persons here. The Father separate from the Son loving each other. It's a relationship between the Spirit and the flesh. It's a relationship between the humanity and the Spirit of God that is in Him. Come on. The Spirit of God that was in the humanity of Jesus. The Spirit of God loved that humanity of Jesus. And that Son, that humanity, loved the Father that was in that humanity. Give God some praise. Now notice it says, The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into His hand. If you believe that there's three separate persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, there are three separate persons, then I'm sure the Holy Ghost, that other separate person, is over there lonely. Does it not sound, it seem peculiar to you that it, does not, that it doesn't say, Well, the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost all love each other? What happened to the Holy Ghost? Well, the Holy Ghost is the Father. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost is God. So when you talk about the Father loving the Son, you, you don't have to, you have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about the Holy Ghost being left out. Because the Holy Ghost is God. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost is the Spirit of, woo, Spirit of Jesus. Let's look, but let's look at some other passages. That talk about, it's going to show us distinctions here. There is a distinction between the man, the son, and the father, the spirit of God that was in him. As the son, he is inferior to the father. As the son, he is inferior to the father. Are you here? He is subordinate. He's in a subordinate position. Okay, let me give you some scripture. Let's go look at some scripture here. All right. John 5, 19. Hallelujah. I'm going to go over a little bit tonight. I can't stop. I can't stop. Hey, John 5, 19. Y'all with me still? Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. He's talking as a man here, and he says that he can do nothing of himself. What he does is what he sees the Father do. What he sees the Father do, the Son does also. You with me here? If he's co-equal and co-eternal, why can he not do anything of his own? Because in his humanity, in his sonship, he is subordinate to the Father God who is in him. In his humanity, Jesus in his humanity is inferior to Jesus and his deity. 
bad. That's, I, I tell you what, I could almost run on that one. Let me say it again. Jesus in his humanity is inferior to Jesus in his deity. Same Jesus. Now watch. John 14, 28. Let's go there real quick. 14, 28. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again. Unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. What? What happened to your co-equal, co-eternal? Three persons in the Godhead. Jesus says the Father is greater than I. Well, of course, the Father is God. When he... The Father is greater than I because God is greater than the sonship. God is greater than the humanity. God is greater than the servant. That one verse right there will, 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 will take Trinitarian doctrine and spin it on its head. How can you out of one side of your mouth say he's co-equal and co-eternal and then read that verse that says, Jesus says, the Father is greater than him. The only possible explanation is Jesus is both God and man. And as God, he's greater than man, humanity. You understand? Give God some praise. <coughs> Matthew 12. Woo. I'm having a good time now. Woo. Praise God. I need this, man. Matthew 12, 32. See, and I put one hour time constraints on these lessons. I can't even get wound up in an hour. I'm serious. 12, 12, 32. Watch this. I think, I think, I think, I think. Mm. I'm talking about blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Where are we at? Oh, wait. Matthew, if I'd get in the right gospel. Too excited. Get in the right gospel. Matthew 12, 32, watch, watch this. It says, Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Because Jesus as a man. You can blaspheme Jesus as a man. Jesus in his sonship because Jesus as a man is lesser, less than the Father. But you speak against the Holy Ghost. You speak against God. It won't be forgiven you here and it won't be forgiven you in eternity. What I'm trying to show you is the Son or the humanity is lesser than the deity that was in him. That's why he says you can blaspheme the Holy Ghost won't be forgiven you. But you can blaspheme the Son. The humanity and it'll be forgiven you. Powerful stuff. Give God some praise. 
And we told you last week what that mean, means. That if you say that in Jesus was anything less than God, you commit blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Because they said he had a devil. So never say that anything less than God was in Jesus. I know some of you want to go home and watch television. But I'm here tonight to get through with this message. Go to Philippians. If he's co-equal with the Holy Ghost and co-equal with the Father as the Son, then how come you can blaspheme the Holy Ghost and not be forgiven and then blaspheme the Son and be forgiven if they're co-equal? Because you're dealing with true dualism. A true dualism. But there, and the distinction is humanity, Spirit of God. Philippians 2, Philippians 2. <clears throat> Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was in also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. When was Jesus in the form of God? Who being in the form of God. Every time you read about God doing something, God... It, in the Old Testament, or God in the New Testament is Jesus. He was in the form of God. He is God. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So he is in the form of God. But at some point in time, he took upon the form of a servant. And a servant, come on, is not at the same level as the master. John 15, 15, he says, Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Now in the context, it doesn't mean that we're never called servants. But the context is, I don't call you servants because servants don't know what their master doeth. But you're on a higher level than a servant because you know what the master does. But remember, he took upon himself the form of a servant. So watch. Here's what I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, that I've heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So as a servant, Jesus as a servant didn't know all things. But as God, he knew all things. You remember he said, I don't know the day or the hour of my coming. He said, the angels don't know. He said, the son doesn't know. But he said, only the father knows. Now, he has the father as God. He knows. But as a servant, he doesn't know everything. Right. Now, if you'll hang with me here a little bit, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> you, that's where the mystery of godliness is. How that he as God can know all things, but he as the servant or as a man cannot know all things. As a man, he's got his own self-consciousness. He has an, his own human self-consciousness. But as God, he has self-consciousness. 
Not two gods, but human self-consciousness and divine self-consciousness. So as God, in God's self-consciousness, he knows everything. But as a man, in his man's self he don't know everything. God has to reveal to that man, he has to reveal to that servant things to come. That's that, that's that lesser than or that subordinate role of the son. So he is God, but in time he took on the form of a servant, right? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <coughs> I'm going to have to quit. If I go, I'll be here for three hours. Two witnesses, John 8, let's go to two witnesses. I talked to, a, to a, a friend of mine on the phone not long ago about this very passage. John 8, 16. Y'all with me? So you understand the subordinate role? <laughs> Humanity and deity. Flesh and spirit. Who's talking? Is he talking as God or is he talking as a man? John 8. He starts and he says in verse 16. And yet I judge, if I judge, my judgment is true for I am not alone. Not alone. <laughs> not alone. That's right. Because the Spirit of God lives in him. Right. Yeah. Well, some of us say, well, they, 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 look, he's not alone. He's, here's the second person of Godhead. And Father's the first person of the Godhead. And so they're in a relationship together and he's not alone. No, he's not alone in the sense that God is in him. See, he's not just a man. And he's not just God. He's God and man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father and the Father that sent me. With me? You with me? It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself. The Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Some would say, well, there's the Father and the Son, separate persons. No. The Father that is in Him. You with me? And also Jesus. You have dual nature here. You have Jesus as the Father and Jesus as the Son. Now notice. Then said they unto Him, where is thy Father? Jesus answered, ye neither know me. Nor my father. You don't know me. Nor my father. If you had known me. You should have known my father also. Now come on. He is God. He's saying. They say. Where's the father? She said. If you know me. You know the father. I love it. You should have known, if you should, if you'd known me, you should have known my father also. Do you understand? So the, the two witnesses here are not two separate persons. It's the witness of the spirit, and it's the witness of the humanity of Jesus. Because he turns right around and he tells him, he says, if you'd known me, you'd known the father, you're looking at him. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not just the father. I'm not just the invisible spirit. I am also the son. I am 
I am the one who has come to make the invisible God visible. I am the one who has come to put sight to the invisible God. So he's not just the invisible spirit, the Father. He is the Son who has come to make the Father visible. Give God some praise. Conversations. Conversations. Woo. You ever see Jesus pray in the Bible? You ever see him pray? Well, if he's co-equal, if he's, a, he's, one of, you know, he's the second person in the Trinity, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father, then why is he doing praying? Do you understand? What? How can divinity pray to divinity and continue to be divinity? How can you have one God praying to another God? That's impossible. Because the moment somebody prays, as soon as they pray, they're not God. Their role. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't have God don't pray because God doesn't need an answer. God doesn't pray because God doesn't need anything. So that Jesus is as God is praying. How is he praying? As the co-equal son? No. You don't have divinity praying to divinity. How can you have divinity praying to divinity and still have divinity? You have one God praying to another God. You ever thought about that? Psalm 65, 2. O thou that hearest prayer. Who's who you talking to? Let me go to verse 1. Praise waited for thee, O God, in Zion. And unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer. Unto thee shall all flesh come. Not some, but all flesh. So when Jesus is praying, he's praying as a man. To the spirit of God that is in him. Well, then somebody would say that means he was praying to himself. Let's get the wording right. Jesus in his humanity, in his flesh, is praying to the spirit of God that is inside of him. So here he is in a subordinate role as the son praying to the father. As a man, he needs the father. Are you hearing me? It's not one God praying to another God. It's not divinity praying to divinity. If you got one God praying to another God, you got two gods. And if God ever starts praying, you don't have God at all. Because God don't pray because God don't have no need to pray. God answers prayer. So Jesus, though he be God, as a man, he had to pray. So when he's hanging on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was never forsaken by God. Never forsaken by God. When your and my sin was laid upon him and he cried out that prayer, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt forsaken. He felt it, but he wasn't. 
You read Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It talks about the meal offering. The meal offering. The, the Bible said, get the meal together. And then pour the oil on top of the meal. And then burn it with fire. So that when Jesus is going through the fire and he's dying as a man. God, the spirit, the oil is still in him. Even when he's suffering, even when he's dying, the Spirit of God is in him. The Spirit of God is upon him. He was not forsaken of God. Because any time, listen, if God forsakes, that means you're no longer God. If God forsook Jesus, that means Jesus could no longer be God. God did not forsake Jesus. God did not forsake the man. God, he felt forsaken because sin separates a man from God. It's what you feel when you let sin in your life. It's what you feel when you let stuff in your life you're not supposed to. You feel that separation between you and God, although you still got the Holy Ghost in you. You feel that. The oil was still in the sacrifice, in the fire of suffering. Now, you hearing me? Are you hearing me? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's praying as a man. He feels forsaken, but he's not forsaken by God. You understand? Give God some praise. Now, I'm going to fix it to give some stuff to you, and you're going to have to listen real careful. God, listen, God did not die. Okay? Give God some praise. God did not die. But listen. God in his office of sonship died. Did you hear what I said? God in his office of sonship died. But God did not die. Common sense tells you God cannot die. But God in his office of sonship died. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Only God can die in sonship and remain alive as God. Did you hear that? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The God of the Son didn't die. But the son who died was God. You got to get that. Why, where are y'all, man? Hallelujah. I'm so, I am so full now. I feel like I could fly out of here. God, in his office of sonship, died. You with me here? God did not die. But the son who died is God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God is the only one who can die in sonship and still stay alive as God. <laughs> Woo! Powerful. So that the one who died, come on, the son, the son was God. You with me? But God in a... Now, only God can die in sonship and stay alive as God. Only God can be everywhere at the same time.
Only God can be in death and be in life at the same time. Only God can be in the grave and in heaven at the same time. God did never, did not ever forsake Jesus. When Jesus is in the grave, he's still God. When Jesus dies, he's still God. When he's in the grave, he's still God. He's the only one. God is the only one because he is everywhere who can be in heaven and in the grave at the same time. Only God can be in death and life at the same time. Because he's everywhere. If there is a place that God is not, then that that is there is not God. If there is a place that God is not, if God isn't there, come on. Then that that is there is not God. That's why Jesus was never forsaken by God. In the grave, he's God. He's still God in heaven because God is everywhere. Because if at any point, if any point, God is not there, then that that is there is not God. Because God is everywhere. It's worth it your time. It's worth your time. I'm not going to charge you any extra money. Now watch this. Even in nowhere, God is there. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Even in nowhere, God is there. Nowhere. How can God be in nowhere? Well, just spell the word nowhere. N-O-W-H-E-R-E. Now here. So that even in nowhere, God is there because God is now here. So it's all in the way you see it. That's why you got to get a revelation of what I'm telling you, what I'm preaching to you. Because God is everywhere. He's even in nowhere. Because there's nowhere that God does not exist. Because he is now here. That's why you cannot say that when Jesus sung on the cross and said, My God, my God, why has that forsaken me? That God forsook him. Because if God ever departs from him, he's no longer God. Even in death, he's still God. Because if God is not there, you with me? In that place, then what is in that place is not God. That's why Leviticus 2 is so important to you to understand that even in his suffering, the oil was still there. Give God a good hand clap of praise. Yeah, I'm almost done. I got to finish. I am having a great time. Let me look at, let's talk about the comforter. Y'all, y'all, can y'all hang with me? Talk about the comforter. So we have a conversation. When Jesus is praying, 
is his humanity praying to the spirit of God that is in him. He's not crying, my God, my God, has forsaken me. The son is dying, but God has not forsaken him. He feels that way because sin, he has become the sin bearer as a man. God didn't die, but the one who did die is God. And never did God ever forsake him. Give God praise. John, John 14, 16. Let's talk about the comforter. Y'all with me here? He says, Jesus says, this, I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Another comforter. Somebody say, well, there's a third person in the Trinity right there. Jesus said he'd give you another comforter. Oh, really? <laughs> the Bible talks about, I believe it was Saul. The Spirit of God came on Saul, and the Bible said he became another man. Does that mean you got two Sauls? No. Still one Saul. <laughs> but something changed. All right, you with me here? He said, I pray the Father, he will, he will uh, give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Look at verse 16. I did, I, we did that. Okay, verse 17. Even the spirit of truth. Say the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. So he just tells them right there, the comforter, the paraclete, is right there with them. You with me? He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Who's dwelling with them? Jesus. Then he says, but he will be in you. He's going to dwell. He's going to be in you. Say in you. He said in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He's not sending a third person. He says he's coming. He is the comforter. It doesn't mean that he's going to send another person. He's going to come in another form. It's going to be the same Jesus. It's going to be the Father. It's going to be God. It's going to be Jesus. But it's going to be another form. It's going to be spirit. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more. But you see me because I live. You shall live also. Give God some praise. <clears throat> Look at verse 26. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. So he clearly tells you right there that he is the Holy Ghost. It's not three people moving inside of you. It's not three persons walking inside of you. It's Jesus in the form of a spirit. It's Jesus in another form. But it's the same Jesus. It's the spirit that is in Jesus. It is God who is in him. And God who is in him is called the Holy Ghost. Not a third person. It's so plain, isn't it? Oh, let's look at verse 23 because this, this, one, this one is good. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we. Uh-oh. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. We. So does that mean you got two spirits walking in? 
When you got the Holy Ghost, did you get two spirits or did you get three? Jesus said, we will make our abode with them. Jesus. So did Jesus walk in you? And then the second person, I mean the first person, the Father walk in you. And the second person, Jesus walk in you. And then the third person, the Holy Ghost all walk in you. Oh, come on. Come on, say praise the Lord. Let me give you some scripture. I don't have three persons living inside of me. And I don't have two spirits inside of me either because Ephesians 4 verse 4 says there's one spirit. So then when he talks about we will make our abode, it has to do with two aspects of the same spirit. There is an aspect or a characteristic of the Father and there's a characteristic of the Son. The characteristic of the Father is power. The characteristic of the Son is priestly ministry, prayer and praise and humility. Different aspects, but the same one. Say praise the Lord. Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 20. He just got through saying he's going to come into them. He said, I'll come. I'll not leave you coming. I'll come. You understand? Matthew 10, 20. Somebody turn there real fast for me. You got a brother, read it for me. Please do it out loud. But it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father that lives in you. So there it's called, he, the Spirit is called the Spirit of the Father. Now, Galatians 4, 6. Somebody get that one real fast. Galatians 4, 6. The Spirit of the Father. Ephesians 4, 4 tells us we, we only have one spirit, right? So two spirits aren't going to come inside of us. We've got the spirit of the Father. Brother, you got it? Read it out loud, please. And because ye are sons. And because ye are sons. God has sent forth the spirit. The, God has sent forth the spirit. Of his own son into your hearts. Of his own son into your hearts. Come on, come on. There's not two spirits, but there's two aspects of the one spirit. Come on, we will come and make our abode in them. You've got the Father, the aspect of the Father, power in you. You've got the aspect of the Son, humility, priestly, prayer. John 17, give me 17, 1, somebody, 17, 1. This is Jesus in his priestly ministry praying. When it talks about you got the Spirit of the Son, you got the, the, the characteristics of the Son. Not a separate spirit from the Father. See, come on. Sometimes I'm operating in the power. I'm operating in the spirit of the Father. In power. Miracle. Working. Power. But sometimes the spirit of the Son is the same spirit. One spirit of God. But, but sometimes I'm, I'm in humility. I'm broken. Okay. I'm praying. I'm praising. I'm priestly. That's what he's talking about. Give God some praise. <laughs> Not two spirits or three people coming inside to live in us. I don't have a relationship with three people inside of me. I've got one inside of me. His name is Jesus. He is God. He is the Holy Ghost. So God, whether be he, he, whether he be Father or whether He be Son or whether He be Holy Ghost, He is always Jesus. Okay, y'all still with me still? Yeah. Acts 2 says when the, the Spirit of God was poured out, he called it the Holy Ghost. 
on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was poured out. Well, it's the Spirit of Jesus, man. 1 Peter 1.10. Okay. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. The Spirit of who? Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of God came on those prophets. The Spirit of God moved in those prophets. But here it's called the Spirit of Christ for a reason. Because they don't want you to miss it. That God, Jesus is God. The Spirit that was in Jesus is God. The Spirit that moved in them even in Old Testament times was the eternal Spirit of God. Do you see that? Well, I don't mean to make you shout so loud. You'll probably lose your voice. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. So on one hand, the Spirit of Christ was in them, <laughs> revealing to them the sufferings of the Christ that would come. Yeah, all right. Same Spirit, not two spirits. Okay, I'm, I'm done pretty much. New Testament pearls. Here's what you got to write down. There is a true dualism. But it's not persons. It is human and deity. Dual, the duality is human and deity. Humanity of Jesus. Jesus is not just God, the invisible Father. He is the Son. Right? Humanity. God come in flesh. Deity and humanity. Is he acting from his human self-consciousness or his divine self-consciousness? Okay, as a man, he says, as a servant, he doesn't know all things, but as God, he knows all things. So there's, there's two self-consciousness going on, a human self-consciousness and a, de- a, a divine self-consciousness. And then when you have pluralities, you have pluralities and attributes, pluralities and roles, pluralities and manifestations. <clears throat> if it's God's word, it's God's self-revelation. All right, so let me go over that again. When you talk about plural, plural in the New Testament, you're not talking about persons. You're talking about attributes, roles, manifestations. Roles, attributes, manifestations. God's self-revelation. Okay? And then number four, Trinitarian doctrine has clouded these things for us. Okay? You didn't have a a Trinitarian doctrine that was out there. You would never read a Trinity into this. The Jews never, the Jews do not believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. A true, true monotheistic Jew does not believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. They have to be clouded. They have to be messed up. You with me here? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. When you look at the New Testament, then you have Jesus as man and God. He is not alone. Because the Spirit of God is in him. He is more than the invisible Father. Okay? He is Father and Son. He is Spirit and flesh. That, uh, that is how you explain the pluralities. Never persons. Never. Somebody can take me to the most difficult passage in all the Word of God and try to prove to me that there are three separate persons and I automatically shift into mode. That's either flesh or that's spirit. That's either prophetic or that's, that's um, um, roles, modes, manifestations. But it cannot be persons. 
because that is not biblical. Okay? Give God some praise. <laughs> Let me go to one last pas- pas- passage of scripture. Y'all been so good, I'm going to give you one more. But what about the right hand of God? Let's go, let's go to Acts. Y'all blessed me and my wife so much today. I'm just making sure I feed you good. Acts 7, Acts 7.54. You remember Stephen, when they stoned Stephen to death? Remember that? How many know the scripture of the Bible says no man has seen God at any time? John 1, right? No man has seen God at any time. Right? Say to me, no man has seen God at any time. Acts 71. Okay, Stephen is being stoned. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw what? Watch, watch. We're going back to the glory of God. He saw the what? He saw the glory of God. It doesn't say he saw God because God is an invisible spirit. But he saw the glory of God. Where did he see the glory of God? Well, he says he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Standing on the right hand of God. Okay? And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Okay, so some people look at that verse, they say, okay, look, what Stephen saw, this is what they say, they said, Stephen saw the Father, or saw God, and then he saw, they, he saw Jesus standing on his right hand side, right, that's the way they interpret it, but no man has seen God at any time, but they say that Stephen saw God, the Bible doesn't say that, the Bible says Stephen saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. With me here? Right hand of God. Does that mean he's literally standing on the right hand of God? Let's keep reading. <laughs> if he's a spirit, where's his right hand? Thanks, Christina. If God is a spirit who is everywhere, where's his right hand? <laughs> okay, watch. He said, Behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes, a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. They stoned Stephen, calling upon God. That's in italics. It says they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying what? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So he knows that Jesus is God. He's calling upon God. Said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Come on, amen, amen. So the right hand of God is a figure of speech. And I don't have time. I'll give you some good documentation next week. But it's, it speaks of salvation. It speaks of power. It speaks of, of, of being a mediator. It's all a figure of speech. 
Stephen did not see the invisible spirit of God. He saw the glory of God. Where is the glory of God? Corinthians says it's in the face of Jesus Christ. The only glory of God you're ever going to see is in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where the glory of God is located. So when Stephen saw the glory of God, he saw it in the face of Jesus Christ. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. It might be 1 Corinthians 4 6. But the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. So what he saw, what he saw was Jesus, the glorified Son. He saw the glorified Son who is God with all power. Jesus spoke to the priest of his day. He said, you're going to see the Son of Man coming on the right hand of power. So it's the right, the right hand represents power. So what Stephen saw was the glory of God. Where's that located? Face of Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus as the glorified Son who is God come in the flesh. And he prays to God and says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He wasn't messed up. He wasn't mixed up. He didn't see two thrones or three thrones. He didn't see the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost separate from each other. 